A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Sometimes democracy seems like not a great idea. (laughs) And I just have to tell myself, it's worth it. We get things wrong and we just keep going. We just keep moving forward even when we get things wrong. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Fancy Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. for being here on this Friday as we do a policy introduction for you on Tuesday's episode. We're going to continue our conversation about the fallout from the Mueller report and the hard decisions facing particularly Democrats. But I would argue that all of our representatives in Congress have some tough choices to make in light of the report. So today we're going to share with you five things you need to know about the impeachment process. And before we do, we sincerely invite you to join us tomorrow at my home church, Florence Christian Church in Florence, Kentucky. That is Saturday, April 27th. We will be doing a public event to talk about our book, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, A Guide to Grace-Filled Political Conversation. If you have not gotten yourself a copy of our book, we hope that you will do that and would love for you to join us there. All the details will be in our show notes. All right. Who's excited? Impeachment. Let's do it. We got five things. 
Let's start at the beginning. Impeachment has always been a controversial topic, including for the Founding Fathers. During the process, it was a heavily debated by the framers. They knew they wanted to impeach federal judges. That part wasn't controversial. Clearly, they needed a way to remove people who had been appointed for a lifetime. In the first couple hundred years, lots of it was for drunkenness. But there were concerns about impeaching the president. There were framers who thought, okay, well, if we need to remove a president, it's not a lifetime appointment. So we have elections. We have a mechanism to do that. But most of the framers still wanted the ability to keep the executive in check. So much so that they made impeachment part of the Constitution before they really even defined the contours of the presidency. So it became a question of how do we do this if we want the ability to do it? There were concerns that Congress would lack the resolve to impeach because the president controls executive appointments. And I read that someone had written ambitious members of Congress might want those appointments and might not have the political will to go against the executive. They considered using the judicial branch for impeachment exercises, but ultimately they followed the British model. I think ultimately what they were really concerned about is they wanted everyone accountable to the Constitution. And I think it's so easy to forget, unless you listen to Hamilton regularly or have read the biography, that the monarchy really hung over everybody's head. Like they were so concerned about creating a powerful position that could launch into a monarchy. They were afraid of certain factions within the framers themselves who really just wanted a monarchy. And so I think impeachment was this, everybody has to be accountable to the Constitution, including the president, because otherwise we're setting up somebody above the Constitution and then we're ending up in monarch territory, which is what we do not want. So the Constitution defines impeachment in Article 2, Section 4. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, here's the kicker, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. The second thing we want you to know is that impeachment itself is an indictment, and the process from there mirrors criminal justice process in a lot of ways. The House of Representatives is the body to determine that impeachment is happening. So it's like they issue the indictment, and then they go to the Senate to prosecute the impeachment. The only remedy for impeachment is removal from office. And in some cases, the Senate can also decide that a person will not be eligible to run for office again. I think that language is really messy. I think people say it like impeachment means removal from office, but in reality, they're different things. Right. It is a two-step process. So the House introduces an impeachment resolution, and then we go from there. I kind of went down a, a deep, dark hole of impeachment resolutions. And Currently, there are two impeachment resolutions because it all starts because an individual member has to introduce this resolution, right? So in January, you have Representative Sherman and Representative Tlaib. They both have resolutions calling for the impeachment of Donald Trump in the current Congress. Representative Green and Representative Sherman also filed impeachment resolutions in 2017. So there are already resolutions in front of the House that individual members have filed. Also, so interesting, if you go back and look at all the resolutions filed over time, here's a fun fact, Beth. Did you know that Mark Meadows filed an impeachment resolution against Rod Rosenstein? I did know that, yes. We can always count on Mark Meadows He's to do the people's work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there were tons of resolutions, individual member resolutions against Rumsfeld and Cheney and George W. Bush. A lot of them filed by Dennis Kucinich. Everybody remember Dennis Kucinich? 
So it's really interesting to go back and look at these individual resolutions, especially when it was at a point in time where everyone knew they weren't going anywhere. I wish I could find some data on how common these individual resolutions were during the 1800s, but I really, I couldn't quite find that. I wonder if they've gotten more common over time. But that's how it starts. An individual member files an impeachment resolution. Then the Speaker of the House must direct the U.S. House Committee on the Judiciary, or a special committee if they want to set one up, to hold a hearing on the resolution to decide whether to put that individual member's resolution to a vote by the full chamber and when to hold such a vote. So all you need on the Judiciary Committee to approve the resolution and put it to a full vote of the House is a simple majority. And then if the Judiciary Committee, by a simple majority, approves the resolution, it goes to the full House, and you only need a simple majority in the full House to move over to the Senate to prosecute the impeachment. So if the House were to vote to impeach, then the Judiciary Committee would appoint managers of impeachment. And that's usually people who are on the Judiciary Committee themselves. So Eric Swalwell, for example, has talked quite a bit about how he would be one of the prosecutors of impeachment. This is what he's Mm -hmm. talking about, that he anticipates that as a member of the Judiciary Committee, he would go into the Senate as a manager of the impeachment process. The number of managers varies, but historically it has been an odd number of people. The partisan composition of managers also varies, but they do have to be people who support the action. We don't have some kind of rule that you must have representation of the other party such that you could have a manager of impeachment who thinks impeachment is a bad idea and is there to sort of sabotage the trial. So that's the indictment process. So let's pretend the House is like the grand jury and they have to vote by a simple majority that there's enough here to charge. And now that impeachment is the charge. Okay. Number three thing you need to know. Now that charge, quote unquote, the impeachment goes to the Senate and then it becomes much more like the actual trial. The Senate is like a juror and they have to have a two thirds majority in order to convict the impeached person. So that's where the trial unfolds, quote unquote, is in the Senate. Since the 1980s, the Senate has used impeachment trial committees to hear evidence, compile a record and present the evidence to the Senate. And that practice has been a little bit controversial. There have been people who think that violates the spirit of the process, but the full Senate gets access to all of that evidence before they vote. Individual senators have to declare that they're going to uphold their responsibilities and exercise due diligence. This does unfold like a trial, though. The officer being impeached has a right to present evidence through attorneys, to call witnesses, to cross-examine witnesses. And then the Senate deliberates, it takes its vote, and it files its judgment with the Secretary of State. So this was really interesting when I was looking into the history of different presidential impeachments, particularly Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton. They talked about Andrew Johnson's functioned much more like an actual trial. There were witnesses. But Bill Clinton's, basically because the outcome was really never in doubt, it was, quote unquote, a dreary proceeding. And it was just really the House managers, the House members of the Judiciary Committee who were serving as the prosecutors and Clinton's defense lawyers, basically just statements. There was no witnesses. There wasn't a lot of like what you would expect from an actual trial. My favorite quote I read about this was Judge William Rehnquist, who the chief justice of the Supreme Court presides over this trial. So he presided over Bill Clinton's impeachment trial in the Senate. And he said, I did nothing in particular, and I did it very well. Which I thought was very <laughs> funny. 
Well, the fourth thing for you to know, and this is very relevant to what Sarah was just talking about with Bill Clinton's impeachment trial, it's really hard to know what is impeachable and what the standard for convicting is in the Senate. The founders were worried about treason and bribery specifically. Those seemed obvious to the founders, and they still seem obvious today. But what else was difficult? They considered the term maladministration and decided that was too vague. They really did not want Congress to have its hand around the throat of the executive at all times. They did not want impeachment to become We just don't like the way you are discharging your duties in this office. They also thought a lot about what kinds of crimes are impeachable because they seem to want this connection between the office itself and the action in order to Mm. impeach. And so they settled on this language from Britain, other high crimes and misdemeanors that had a really specific meaning at the time. In Britain, that phrase denotes crimes by public officials against the government. And that's where I think about that sort of connection between the way you're exercising your duties and the action that Congress finds unacceptable. It was really interesting as I was falling down the deep, dark hole of impeachment resolutions. What also came up in my impeachment search of congressional legislation is there's been quite a few members who have introduced bills to try to, like, flush this out a little bit more and define it. They don't go anywhere. But there are people, I think, out there trying to put some firm legs around this particular phrasing. I think it's something we've always struggled with. Famously, in 1970, the House Republican leader, Gerald Ford, defined an impeachable offense as whatever a majority of the House of Representatives would vote for. (laughs) But if we're looking back at the history, since we're using the British phrasing, this is from the Constitutional Rights Foundation. Since 1386, the English Parliament has used high crimes and misdemeanors as one of the grounds to impeach officials of the crown. Officials accused of high crimes and misdemeanors were accused of offenses as varied as misappropriating government funds, appointing unfit subordinates, not prosecuting cases, not spending money allocated by parliament, promoting themselves of more deserving candidates, threatening a grand jury, disobeying an order from parliament, arresting a man to keep him from running for parliament. That seems really strong. Losing a ship by neglect to moor it, helping to suppress petitions to the king to call a parliament, granting warrants without cause, and bribery. Some of these charges were crimes. Others were not. The one common denominator is that all these accusations was that the official had somehow abused the power of his office and therefore was seen as unfit to serve. This is also from the Constitutional Rights Foundation. For more than 200 years since the Constitution was adopted, Congress has seriously considered impeachment only 18 times. Thirteen of these cases involved federal judges. The high crimes and misdemeanors that the House charged against these judges included being habitually drunk, as Sarah said. So much drunkenness. Showing favoritism on the bench using judicial power unlawfully, using the office for financial gain, unlawfully punishing people for contempt of court, submitting false expense accounts, getting special deals from parties appearing before the court, bullying people in open court, filing false income tax returns, making false statements while under oath, and disclosing confidential information. So there's a spectrum of conduct that has been considered over the years, but Important to note, we haven't done this a lot 
even in our 200 years, this is something that we haven't considered. It's clear from the history that the founders wanted some flexibility around this process, and they knew the kind of conduct that people might engage in will change over time. There are probably scenarios we cannot imagine as we write these words today. And they were really focused on maintaining this delicate balance of everyone being accountable and also the branches of government being co-equal. And the co-equal nature of this process, the co-equal branch nature of this process is especially interesting when you consider that the Supreme Court definitively have said that courts have no oversight role in impeachment. It is not justiciable. It is purely a political process. So some people have said the burden of proof in an impeachment trial should be proof beyond reasonable doubt. Who's going to enforce that? The court mm-hmm. cannot enter into this equation in any respect. It is purely left to Congress. Um, I hear you saying that. I also hear the president saying the Supreme Court will defend him. He's wrong. Is there is there any truth to that? No, he's just wrong. The, the court will not okay. get okay. involved in this process. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it is a thing. It is a decided <laughs> thing. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi-connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space. 
to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. So number five, only three presidents have been threatened or, let's say, caught up by impeachment. The House overall has initiated impeachment proceedings more than 60 times, according to its historian's office, and voted to impeach 15 times. Judges, one senator, one cabinet secretary, and two presidents, Andrew Johnson in 1868 and Bill Clinton in 1998. The third president we're talking about, of course, is Richard Nixon, who resigned as impeachment proceedings were increasingly likely. Now, federal judges have been impeached, convicted, and removed for a variety of offenses. Again, drunkenness. But you still have only eight federal judges total that have been removed. Now, here is something fun I learned. Beth, did you know? That one of the former federal judges who was convicted by the Senate of extorting a bribe and then removed from his office as a judge is now a member of Congress. Sometimes democracy seems like not a great idea. (laughs) And I just have to tell myself it's worth it. We get things wrong and we just keep going. We just keep moving forward even when we get things wrong. Okay, so let's talk about the presidents. You went down a deep, dark tunnel about Andrew Johnson. Tell us about his impeachment. President Johnson was the only senator from a southern state who stayed loyal to the Union during the Civil War, and that is a big deal. And President Lincoln, wanting to try to put the country back together again, chose Andrew Johnson to be his vice president in 1864. Lincoln was then assassinated in 1865, so Andrew Johnson is now the president, and people are not pleased. Kind of universally, people are not pleased about this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Republicans, and you have to kind of reorient yourself because Republicans were mostly in the North at this time and very angry about the Civil War, very angry with the South. And they wanted to put military rule in place in the South during Reconstruction. They wanted to redistribute land to Black Americans following the Civil War. And Andrew Johnson wanted to quickly restore the power to the citizenry of the states and move on. Were they wrong? No, they were not. They were not wrong. Andrew Johnson was wrong. Sorry, that's just my side note. So over Andrew Johnson's veto, Congress passed a Reconstruction Act. And they also decided, we don't like this Andrew Johnson fellow. They were right. And we want him to have to come to Congress to get permission to fire any members of the executive branch that we've confirmed. That's a little crazy. Although, does that sound like a bad idea right now? No, it doesn't. (laughs) So Andrew Johnson, in very mature fashion, responds by promptly firing the Secretary of War. He says, I see your act and I defy it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the House passed 11 articles of impeachment. Andrew Johnson was not convicted. Wait, wait, stop. I want to share my favorite article of impeachment. He was accused of scandalous harangues. 
about legislators. That's a quote, by the way, scandalous harangues, end quote, about legislators made, again, with quotes, with a loud voice. That's amazing. I would like to add that to the list of bribery, treason, scandalous harangues, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. I wonder if that would count if you made the scandalous harangue by Twitter. Okay. (laughs) So this, to me, is fascinating. Johnson was saved from conviction on every article of impeachment, all 11, by only one vote. That's crazy. Most historians do not look kindly on this impeachment process. They Hmm. think it did not involve high crimes and misdemeanors. It was purely about political disagreement. And... There is thought that if Johnson had been convicted, it would have set us down a road that severely threatened the really delicate separation of powers, tension and balance the founders were looking for. I do not understand this critique. If it's a political process, why is it threatening to have it be a political disagreement? Well, I think that's the whole high crimes and misdemeanors dilemma, right? Because Mm -hmm. you don't want Congress to just be able to overturn an election. And that's different with Andrew Johnson, right? Because the people elected Lincoln, but arguably they elected Johnson too. They knew he was on the ticket. So you don't want Congress to just be able to say, we don't like this result. We're going to change it. We think you're a crappy president. The Constitution permits us to make bad choices as voters and live with the consequence of those choices, right? And so we don't want Congress to just step in anytime it thinks things are going off the tracks. We want it to be a great big deal, and we want someone to have objectively done something wrong. But we have built a process where the body charged with deciding if there's been an objective wrong is necessarily political, and our court is staying out of it. So, I mean, this is one where the framers kind of said, we don't know, folks, good luck, America. Figure it out. And I think that's right. You know, I, I think ultimately that's right, but it's it's hard. So Andrew Johnson made it out. Just barely. Richard Nixon peaced out when it looked super likely that he'd be the first one to be removed from office. The House Judiciary Committee voted on three articles of impeachment, obstruction of justice, abuse of power, and defying the committee's request for document production. Put a pin on that That last one. Put a pin on that last one. Put a pin there, friends. That sounds familiar. He resigned before the entire House voted, however. The committee considered an article of impeachment against Richard Nixon for tax evasion, and that committee decided tax evasion was not a high crime or misdemeanor. So I think that's an interesting historic footnote as well. And then along comes one William Jefferson Clinton. (sighs) Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. 
Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze. And its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Would you like to do the honors, Sarah? Sure. So there were four articles of impeachment, perjury before a grand jury, perjury in a civil case, obstructing justice, deceiving the public, and hindering the investigation, refusing to respond to committee requests. Again, passed through the House. He was, quote unquote, indicted and went to trial in the Senate and who heard no live witnesses. There wasn't much of a trial and he was not convicted in the Senate. And it's really interesting Speaking to the fact that impeachment is a political process, you know, I think all the historical analysis when you look back at the Clinton impeachment is that whatever they listed as the article of impeachment and whatever sort of legalistic arguments they were trying to make about perjury and obstruction of justice, America decided it was about whether they cared or not that he had had sexual interactions. Sexual relations with that woman. Sexual interactions with an intern, and they decided they didn't care. And it was so interesting. Like, you just hear that you see the polling. It was like people just thought, well, that's what this is about, and I don't care. I think they tried very hard to make it. No, but it's what he did after that, and it just never sunk in, I don't think. Which is another interesting table-setting note, I think, for where we are today, because the complexity of the Mueller investigation— the complexity of the way the White House is conducting itself post-Mueller report 
is hard for the public to digest. And so that's where we'll pick up on Tuesday as we discuss what should be done and whether impeachment should be invoked here. And we hope that you will join us then. We have lots of resources in the show note. If before now and then you'd like to read more about impeachment and learn more about the haranguing by Andrew Johnson. But until then, till Tuesday, we'll be back. Y'all have a good weekend and keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Cherry Haas, Sarah's husband, Nicholas Holland, and my husband, Chad Silvers. Our theme music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.